Chapter Eighteen, Part One of Kangaroo by D. H. Lawrence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Eighteen, Adieu Australia, Part One. Kangaroo died and had a great funeral, but Richard did not go up. He had fixed his berths on the Manganui and would sail away in twenty days to america the united states a country that did not attract him at all but which seemed to lie next in his line of destiny meanwhile he wandered round in the australian spring already he loved it he loved the country he had railed at so loudly a few months ago while he cared he had to rail at it but the care once broken inside him it had a deep mystery for him and a dusky far-off call that he knew would go on calling for long ages before it got any adequate response in human beings from far off from down long fern dark avenues there seemed to be the voice of australia calling low he loved to wander in the bush at evening when night fell so delicately yet with such soft mystery then the sky behind the trees was all soft rose pink and the great gum trees ran up their white limbs into the air like quicksilver plumed at the tips with dark tufts like rivulets the white boughs ran up from the white trunk or like great nerves with nerve-like articulations branching into the dusk then he would stand under a tall fern tree and look up through the whirl of lace above his head listening to the birds calling in the evening stillness the parrots making a chinking noise sitting at the edge of the bush he looked at the settlement and the sea beyond he had quite forgotten how he used to grumble at the haphazard throwing of bungalows here and there and anywhere how he used to hate the tin roofs and the untidiness it recalled to him the young australian captain oh how i liked the rain on the tin roofs of the huts at the wharf it reminded me of australia and now thought richard to himself tin roofs and scattered shanties will always remind me of australia they seem to be beautiful though it's a fact they have nothing to do with beauty but oh the deep mystery of joy it was to him to sit at the edge of the bush as twilight fell and looked down on the township the bungalows were built mostly on the sides of the slopes they had no foundations but stood on brickwork props which brought them up to the level there they stood on the hillsides on their short legs with darkness under their floors the little bungalows looking as if they weighed nothing looking flimsy made of wood with corrugated zinc roofs some of them were painted dark red roofs and all some were painted gray some were wooden simply many had the white-gray zinc roofs pale and delicate at the back was always one big water-butt of corrugated iron a big round tank painted dark red the corrugation ribs running round and a jerky red-painted pipe coming down from the eaves sometimes there were two of these tanks and a thin not very tidy woman in a big straw hat stooping to the tap at the bottom of the tank the roof came down low making a long shade over the wooden verandas nearly always a little loggia at the back from which the house door opened and this little veranda was the woman's kitchen there she had a little table with her dirty dishes which she was going to wash up and a cat would be trotting around as if it had not an enemy in the world while from the veranda a parrot called the bungalows near the bush edge had odd bits of garden nipped out of the paddocks and carefully railed in then another little enclosure for the calf at the back the earth was scratched there was a rubbish heap of ashes and tins slipping into the brambles and 
very white fowls clustering for bedtime in front of the house in another bit of garden with wooden palings the two camellia trees full of flowers one white and one red like artificial things but a bit seared by the wind and at the gate the branching coral trees still flowering flame from their dark strong thrusting upcurving buds so with evening falling there were green roads laid out in the wild with but one lost bungalow to justify them and a lost horse wildly galloping round the corner of this blind road to quiet down and look around a belated collier galloping stiffly on his pony out of the township and a woman in a white blouse and black skirt with two little girls behind her driving a ramshackle little buggy with a quick-legged little pony homewards through the trees lights were beginning to glint out the township was deciding it was night the bungalow scattered far and wide on the lower levels there was a network of wide roads or beginnings of roads the heart of the township was one tiny bit of street a hundred yards long main street you knew where it was as you looked down on the reddish earth and grass and bush by the rather big roof of pale zinc and a sandy-coloured round gable of the hotel the biggest building in the place for the rest it looked from above like an inch of street with tin roofs on either side fizzling out at once into a wide grass road with a few bungalows and then the bush but there was the dark railway and the little station and then again the big paddocks rising to the sea with a ridge of coral trees and a farm place richard could see cooley with its long red roof right on the sea behind it the rail fences of the paddocks and the open grass and the streets cut out and going nowhere with an odd bungalow here and there so it was all round a far and wide scattering of pale-roofed bungalows at random among grassy cut-out streets all along the levels above the sea but keeping back from the sea as if there were no sea ignoring the great pacific there were knolls and pieces of blue creek hollow blue of fresh water and lagoons on the yellow sands up the knolls perched more bungalows on very long front legs and no back legs caves of dark underneath and on the skyline a ridge of wiry trees with dark plume tufts at the end of the wires and these little loose crystals of different coloured sharp-angled bungalows cropping out beneath all in a pale clear air clear and yet far off as if it were visionary so the land swooped in grassy swoops past the railway steep up to the bush here and there thick-headed palm trees left behind by the flood of time and the flood of civilization both bungalows with flame trees bare bungalows like packing cases an occasional wind fan for raising water a round well pool perfectly round then the bush and a little colliery steaming among the trees and so the great tree-covered swoop upwards of the tor to the red fume of clouds red like the flame flowers of sunset in the darkness of trees the strange birds clinking and trilling the tree ferns with their knobby scaly trunks spreading their marvellous circle of lace overhead against the glow the gum trees like white naked nerves running up their limbs and the inevitable dead gum trees poking stark grey limbs into the air and the thick aboriginal dusk settling down richard wandered through the village homewards horses stood motionless in the middle of the road like ghosts listening or a cow stood as if asleep on the dark footpath then she too wandered off at night-time always these creatures roaming the dark and semi-dark roads eating the wayside grass the motor-cars rushing up the coast road must watch for them 
but the night straying cattle were not troubled they dragged slowly out of the way the night in the township was full of the sound of frogs rattling screeching whirring raving like a whole fairy factory going at full speed in the marshy creek bottom a great gray bird a crane came down on wide soft wings softly in the marshy place a cream-colored pony with a snake-like head stretched out came cropping up the road cropping unmoved though richard's feet passed within a few yards of his nose richard thought of the snaky praxiteles horses outside the quiraline in rome very very nearly those old snaky horses were born again here in australia or the same vision come back people mattered so little people hardly mattered at all they were there they were friendly but they never entered inside one it is said that man is the chief environment of man that for richard was not true in australia man was there but unnoticeable he said a few words to a neighbor or an acquaintance but it was merely for the sake of making a sort of sound just a sound there was nothing really to be said the vast continent is really void of speech only man makes noises to man from habit richard found he never wanted to talk to anybody never wanted to be with anybody he had fallen apart out of the human association and the rest of the people either were the same or they heard it together in a promiscuous fashion but this speechless aimless solitariness was in the air it was natural to the country the people left you alone they didn't follow you with their curiosity and their inquisitiveness and their human fellowship you passed and they forgot you you came again and they hardly saw you you spoke and they were friendly but they never asked any questions and they never encroached they didn't care the profound australian indifference which still is not really apathy the disintegration of the social mankind back to its elements rudimentary individuals with no desire of communication speeches just noises a herding together like dumb cattle a promiscuity like slovenly animals yet the basic indifference under everything and with it all toiling on with civilization but it felt like a clock that was running down it had been wound up in europe and was running down running right down here in australia men were mining farming making roads shouting politics but all with that basic indifference which dare not acknowledge how indifferent it is lest it should drop everything and lapse into a blank but a basic indifference with a spurt of excitement over a horse race and an occasional joy in a row it seems strange to summers that labor should be so insistent in australia or that kangaroo should have been so burning but then he realized that these men were all the time yoked to some work they were all the time in the collar and the work kept them going a good deal more than they kept the work going nothing but the absolute drive of the world's work kept them going without it they would have lapsed into the old bush-ranging recklessness lapsed into the profound indifference which was basic in them but still they were men they were healthy they were full of energy even if they were indifferent to the aim in front so they embraced one aim or another out of need to be going somewhere doing something more than just backing a horse something more than a mere day's work and a gamble some smack at the old established institution of life that came from europe there it is laid all over the world the heavy established european way of life like their huge ponderous cathedrals and factories and cities enormous encumbrances of stone and steel and brick weighing on the surface of the earth 
they say australia is free and it is even the flimsy foundationless bungalows richard railed at the scrappy amorphousness till two nights he dreamed he was in paris and a third night it was in some other city of italy or france here he was staying in a big palazzo of the house and he struggled to get out and found himself in a high old provincial street with old gable houses and dark shadow and himself in the gulf between and at the end of the street a huge pale grey bulk of a cathedral an old gothic cathedral huge and massive and grey and beautiful but suddenly the mass of it made him sick and the beauty was nauseous to him so strong a feeling that he woke up and since that day he had been thankful for the amorphous scrappy scattering of foundationless shacks and bungalows since then he had loved the australian landscape with the remote gum trees running their white nerves into the air the random streets of flimsy bungalows all loose from one another and temporary seeming the bungalows perched precariously on the knolls like japanese paper houses below the ridge of wire and tuft trees he had now a horror of vast superincumbent buildings they were a nightmare even the cathedrals huge huge bulks that are called beauty beauty seemed to him like some turgid tumour never again he felt did he want to look at london the horrible weight of it or at rome with all the pressure on the hills horrible inert man-moulded weight heavy as death no no the flimsy hills of australia were like the new world and the frail inconspicuousness of the landscape that was still so clear and clean clean of all fogginess or confusion but the frail aloof inconspicuous clarity of the landscape was like a sort of heaven bungalows shacks corrugated iron and all no wonder australians love australia it is the land that as yet has made no great mistake humanly the horrible human mistakes of europe and probably the even worse human mistakes of america then why am i going he asked himself wait wait he answered himself you have got to go through the mistakes you've got to go all round the world and then halfway round again till you get back go on go on the world is round and it will bring you back draw your ring round the world the ring of your consciousness draw it round until it is complete so he prepared with a quiet heart to depart the only person that called at cooey was jazz you're leaving us then he said yes rather suddenly at the end perhaps but it's just as well i should go soon if i am going you think so taken against the place have you no the contrary if i stay much longer i shall stay altogether come quite to like it jazz smiled slowly yes i love it jazz i don't love people but this place it goes into my marrow it makes me feel drunk i love australia that's why you leave it eh yes i'm frightened what i want to do is go a bit further back into the bush near some little township have a horse and a cow of my own and damn everything i can quite understand the damn everything part of it laughed jazz you won't do it though i never was so tempted in my life talk about eve tempting man to a fall australia tempts me retrome jazz was silent for a few moments you'd repent it though he said quietly i'll probably repent whatever i do replied Summers. so what's the odds i'll probably repent bitterly going to america going back to the world when i want australia i want australia as a man wants a woman i fairly tremble with wanting it australia 
yes jazz looked at summers with his curious light gray eyes then why not stop he said seductively not now not now some cussedness inside me i don't want to give in you see not yet i don't want to give in to the place it's too strong it would lure me quite away from myself it would be too easy it's too tempting it's too big a stride jazz jazz laughed looking back at richard's intense eyes what a man you are mr summers he said come and live in sydney and you won't find it such a big jump from anywhere else no i wouldn't want to live in sydney i'd want to go back in the bush near one of the little townships it's like wanting a woman jazz i want it then why not do it i won't give in not yet it's like giving in to a woman i won't give in yet i'll come back later jazz suddenly looked at richard and smiled maliciously you won't give in mr summers will you you won't give in to the woman and australia's like a woman to you you wouldn't give in to kangaroo and he's dead now you won't give in to labor or socialism well now what will you do will you give in to america do you think heaven preserve me if i'm to speak beforehand why mr summers laughed jazz seems to me you just go round the world looking for things you're not going to give in to you're as bad as we folk maybe said richard but i'll give in to the lord almighty which is more than you'll do oh well now we'd give in to him if we saw him said jazz smiling with an odd winsomeness he sometimes had all right well i prefer not to see and yet to give in said richard jazz glanced up at him suspiciously from under his brows and another thing said richard i won't give up the flag of our real civilized consciousness i'll give up the ideals but not the aware self-responsible deep consciousness that we've gained i won't go back on that jazz though kangaroo did say i was the enemy of civilization you don't consider you are then asked jazz pertinently the enemy of civilization well i'm the enemy of this machine civilization and this ideal civilization but i'm not the enemy of the deep self-responsible consciousness in man which is what i mean by civilization in that sense of civilization i'd fight forever for the flag and try to carry it on into deeper dark places it's an adventure jazz like any other and when you realize what you're doing it's perhaps the best adventure End of chapter 18, Adieu Australia, part 1.